That was not a commercial for Chick-fil-A. Everyone does have a story. And I believe that our story finds its greatest significance and its greatest fulfillment in our relationship with God. I want to share with you my story today. This past week, on July 29th, I celebrated my 40th spiritual birthday. Thank you. I've decided to take that as my new birthday. So I am 40 years old from that point on. But I want to share with you my testimony of coming to faith in Jesus Christ that radically changed my life and my eternal destiny. I want to give you, share with me my life story, my testimony as we know it in church. A testimony is to tell of how one became a Christian. Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest witnesses for Jesus Christ, he shared his testimony or his testimony was recorded three times in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the first 30, 35 years of the Christian church. It's the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ of which we are a part of still 2,000 years later. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under the direction of God's Spirit, Luke saw fit to record Paul the Apostle's story three different times. I believe that's significant because God saw fit. God wanted to emphasize something that our testimony, our story is significant. It is important. You see, we have the greatest tool of evangelism. We have the greatest tool of evangelism. You know what that is? It's your life story. It's your testimony. You see, people, they can argue your theology. They can argue your belief system. But they can't argue your story. It's your testimony. It's, it's you telling what God has done in your life. And that's why it is, it is so powerful. Our testimony is a story of moving from death to life. It's a story of moving from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The scriptures even say from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And so it is so important. And, and I want to share with you my, my story today, my testimony of, of life change. Um, whether you realize it or not, your pastor as a teenager was messed up and he was mixed up. I was destined for a sad, for a sorry, for a hopeless existence. I grew up in an Italian family in Providence, Rhode Island, the youngest of, of five children. I was, I was taught to believe in God. I actually went to a, a Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade, and you know I, I believed in God, but I, I didn't have a personal relationship with God. No one in my family was living for God. I didn't come from a home of, of, of missionaries or pastors or Christian leaders. I just came from a home where there was, 
alcoholism, there was gambling, there was some crime, there was some drug addiction. And for me personally, as a teenager in my high school years, um, you know, just like most teenagers, I was looking for acceptance. I was looking uh, to fit in. I was looking to be cool. I began to experiment with, with drugs, with alcohol. Uh, although I never became an alcoholic or a drug addict, my, my addiction would have been gambling. I love to gamble. Thank God I'm saved because with Twin Rivers, casinos all over the place, gambling online, gambling on your phone, my God, I'd be a busted out, degenerate, in the gutter gambler if I, if I would still be alive. In high school, I uh, had no purpose, no focus, uh, no focus for the future. All I knew was, was to party in high school. Um, my first year, I went to LaSalle Academy in Providence, a great school, and um, actually I made the freshman uh, baseball team, but because of stupidity, uh, during our spring break when we were out of school, the team still had practice, but I didn't go to practice. So I was no longer on the team. And then after LaSalle, I went to North Providence High, and I was able to skate through three years of high school just basically on the the uh, credits that I had in LaSalle. Um, North Providence is a much better school today. Back then, uh, the academic standards were not that high. And so I was able to skate through cutting class, um, not showing up, uh, just all of the, the craziness, getting suspended, and, and, and just, just chaos in my life, uh, hopelessness, confusion in my life. But it was during my high school years that a friend of the family, David Ritchie, started to talk to me about God. I was around 16 and 17 years old, so those of you that are in your teenage years, maybe you can relate to this. And as, as David continued to, to, to witness to me, to share uh, the scriptures, to share about God to me, you know, my initial reaction was, yes, you know, I, I, I believe in God. You know, I was brought up Catholic. I was brought up to believe in God. And, but as he continued to share the scriptures, he talked about having a personal relationship with God. Talked about really following Jesus, being committed to his gospel and, and obeying his word. And, and, and I began to see and I began to understand there was a difference between saying I believe in God and truly, truly believing in God. So at this time, I'm partying. As a teenager, I'm gambling. I'm seeking pleasure in the things of the world. Uh, I would say I was a normal teenager, doing what others were doing to find satisfaction, fulfillment, pleasure, fun. And isn't that true of all ages? Teenagers, uh, young adults, middle age, older people, we're all looking for uh, satisfaction, for, to enjoy life, to have pleasures, to, to have satisfaction, to, to really find meaning in life. See, the, the more my friend, the more he talked to me about God, the more he pursued me. And I, I want to just interject something. Not everyone gets saved the first time they're witnessed to. And you might be witnessing to people, you might be praying for them, your, your children, whoever, and, and you think, well, they haven't gotten it. Well, they haven't gotten it yet. Keep praying, keep believing, keep sharing the word as best as you can. 
And the more that my friend talked to me about God and his word and about really following Jesus, you know, I believed it. I began to, to really believe it. And you know what? I knew it was the truth. Now, when you look at the gospel, now I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about churchianity. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, a lot of the, the crazy things that, that you know, kind of creep into the church and, and, and what we call Christianity. But when, when you really look at the Bible and you look at the simplicity of the gospel, it makes sense, right? That there is a God. There's a creator. There's a God who's, who loves us and, and, and we're, by nature, sinners and in and, and our lifestyles we in our rebellion we want to you know do what we want to do and go our own way and we don't necessarily we don't want to submit to God but but when you hear the gospel you hear about a God who loves us and wants to forgive us wants to have a relationship with us and it does make sense and you know what it's the only way to find true fulfillment in life joy peace you see I came to a place at 16, 17 years old, you know what? I believed it, but I didn't want to commit to it. You see, I knew I had heard enough about the gospel, enough about the word of God to know it was the truth, but you know what? It was no longer an intellectual problem. It was a moral problem. And what I mean by that is I believed in my head but I didn't want to believe in my heart because I knew it meant that I had to change. There was repentance. There was, there was submitting to God. There was honoring his word. There was dying to myself. There was, there was following God. There was no longer doing my own thing, but doing God's thing. You see, becoming a Christian isn't easy. You know, really following Jesus isn't easy. It's... It's the most challenging thing in all of life. You know, it's easy to go to church sometimes. It's easy to kind of go through the motions. But to really be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ will cost you everything. You have to lay it all down. But look what you get in return. You get what you're seeking for in other things. You get joy. You get peace. You get fulfillment. You get eternal life. Eternal life. What's better than eternal life? This life is so brief at its best. Eternity is forever and ever. You see, I believed in my heart, but I didn't want to surrender my will to God because I still wanted to live the way I wanted to live. I wanted to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And isn't that the problem in our culture today? That we have so much sin and ungodliness which are all illegitimate means of satisfaction and God gives us joy and peace but we in our sinful rebellious ways want things the way we want them but look what it leads to the Bible said there is a way that seems right unto a man but the end of that way is death physical death and spiritual death so you know what I did I did what Richard wanted to do. I lived according to my sinful desires. I lived according to the partying, the gambling, the lying, the cheating, the stealing. So that's what I did. You know what God did? In his love, in his mercy, he pursued me. 
God in his love and his mercy. He, in, in my rebellious way, at 17 years old now, I am, I am running from God. I believe in him. I believe in his word. I believe in his truth. But I'm running from God. And God begins to block my path. Whatever I tried to do began to fail. God began to frustrate my plans. And you know what? I began to see the emptiness of things without God. You see, once you know about the truth, the things of this world cannot satisfy you anymore because you know there's a better way. You know that sin, you know that rebellion, you know that trying to meet your needs in your way and in the world's way and in sinful ways is, 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 is wrong and it can't truly satisfy you. Only God can fulfill you. You see, when you, even some of you here today, when you lay your head to bed at rest at night, when you put your pillow on that bed, you realize there's an emptiness in your life. Education can't fill it. Money can't fill it. Sex can't fill it. Popularity can't fill it. Good looks can't fill it. A person can't fill it. There's a void in all of our lives. Someone said it's a Christ-shaped void. And only he can fill that void in our life. As hard as we try and our culture is, is, is ungodly and sinful and wicked and it's all about me and mine and pleasure. The Bible talks about the last days. People will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If that doesn't categorize or, 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 or reveal what our culture is like, that, that reveals it more than anything. People are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you see, I go through two years of knowing the truth about God and the way to have a relationship with God, but yet not wanting to surrender. And you see, you can know about God this morning, but not truly know him. You could say you believe, but you're not truly believing. You know, it's not just what a person says they believe. It's what they live out. That's truly what you believe. Because you could say you believe in God, but you know what the Bible says? Even the demons believe, and they tremble. That means they're a, a few steps ahead of most people. <laughs> not only do they believe, they're trembling because they know their ultimate destination or, or their ultimate plight because of the righteous and holy God that will judge them. So it's not just enough to say I believe. So as God's closing, my do closing doors in my life, frustrating my plans, revealing to me the nothingness of life apart from him. You know what I thought of as I'm, I was preparing this? How God is so personal. Here I am, a, a 16, a 17 year old from Providence, no one great, no one special, but God in his love and his mercy, is personally dealing with my life. Yes. He's blocking my paths. He's orchestrating events. He's, he's, he's putting things together. He's dealing with me. 
in a personal way. And that's the God we serve. He's the God of the universe, the creator of it all, but he's a personal God. And whether you're a, a, a toddler, whether you're a, a, a teenager, whether you're a young adult, a middle age, an old age, whatever you are, God is at work in your life, working things out, planning and, strat and, and dealing with you and bringing you to the place he wants you to be. God was working in my life as a teenager. I want to encourage you. What God did for me, he could do for your children. What God did for me, he could do for your family members. What God did for me, he can do for you. God is no respecter of persons. I was, I was heading for a sad, sorry, sick destiny in this world. If, if, if I would have been alive still these, in my fifth, 50s, I, would have, I don't know if I would have been alive, first of all. I, I would have been maybe in jail. I would have been a degenerate gambler. I would have been mixed up. I, my I, I, I shudder to think where I'd be today. I mean that. I mean that because, you know, my plane was crashing, and, and it wasn't enough just to hit the ground. It was still burrowing down. <laughs> in other words, my life was going down at a, at a quick speed, even as a young person. And it would have just kept going down and down and down to destruction. You see, life is really empty without God. We're created in his image. We're created by God and for God. To know him, to worship him, and to enjoy him forever. We could try with sex, Drugs, alcohol, money, fame, education, being popular, dressing a certain way to get attention, trying to be accepted, looking forward to our retirement, building up our 401k. But the Bible says all these things are empty. They are a chasing after the wind. Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, says all these things are empty. They're vanity. So one night, July 17 years, 17 years old, I was hanging out with a friend over his house. When I was about to leave, his father was talking about God to his friend. And here I am in this, in this battle, this silent war that was raging within me for two years. And I see this. And as my friend his father was talking about God, I sensed God speak to my heart and say, this is what you should be doing. Telling other people about Jesus. Something happened in that moment. The Holy Spirit ignited a fire in my spirit. I knew it was time to get right with God. The reason why I know the date of my my conversion, my salvation experience was because it was a Wednesday night and I knew that there would be other Christians, other followers of Jesus at a home after a Bible study. They would always gather at this woman's home in North Providence and I knew that I can go there because at this point, that's my only frame of reference. I, I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them uh, pray with me. I'm going to confess uh, my faith in Jesus and I'm going to seal the deal. Somewhat 
like what we do at the end of a service sometimes if we have an altar call, is give people an opportunity to acknowledge Christ and, and pray and, and, and really make that connection with God. I walked into that house on Wednesday night, July 29, 1981, 40 years ago. I walked into that house and actually my friend who talked to me about God was there and others and I declared I am ready to commit my life to Jesus. That night was the turning point in my life. You see, I, at that point, I had known enough about God, enough of his word, enough of what it meant to, to really be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I knew what it meant to really commit my life to God. That night, God changed my life. I prayed, they prayed over me. We had a time of just the Holy Spirit just, just, just confirming and sealing the deal. That night, joy that I never had filled my heart. A peace came over me. I knew that I experienced salvation. I knew that my sins were forgiven. I knew like 1 Peter 2.9 says, I was called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I had not obtained mercy, but now I had obtained mercy. You see, at 17 years old, my life was spinning out of control. I was losing thousands of dollars gambling. I was drinking. I was doing drugs. I barely graduated high school. I had no future. I had no hope. But for God's grace... And the rest is history. God touched my life. He called me into the ministry. Um, uh, someone who had no future, who had no hope, who was destined to, to, to not accomplish anything of worthwhile in life. God called me into the ministry. God gave me a beautiful wife, two children, a granddaughter, a beautiful and amazing church. You ought to clap right there. Great colleagues in ministry, friends, ministry opportunities around the world. And you know what I found out? God is still writing my story. God is still writing your story. This morning, my story is not your story. Your story doesn't have to be like my story to be uh, uh, genuine or to be real. We all have different stories. All, some people don't even know the exact day that they got saved, but they know that there was a change in their life that has brought them to a place now that they're not the same person that they once was. You see, the gospel, the word gospel in, in the Greek language of the, which the New Testament is written, the word gospel means good news. The good news is that God has a wonderful plan for every one of your lives. The bad news is that the devil has a horrible plan for every one of your lives. And he will use sin, he will use rebellion, he will use the things of this world to draw you away from that wonderful plan to destroy your life in this life and to drag you into hell. Jesus said the devil has come to kill He's come to, to steal, to destroy, but I have come to give you life, and not just life, to give you life more abundantly. Amen. I want to ask you to stand together with me this morning. I want to ask the singers and the musicians to come back.
I want to just talk to you in closing for just a couple of minutes. If I was to ask you, to, do you believe in God? I'm sure every one of you would say, yes, I believe. But you know what? It's not enough just to intellectually believe, but you have to truly believe in your heart. And I believe there are people who miss salvation and miss heaven by 18 inches. They miss salvation, they miss heaven by 18 inches. And what I mean by that is the distance between your head and your heart. It's one thing to say I believe, it's another thing to truly believe in your heart. And that word believe means to commit to. You see, for those two years that I heard the gospel, I didn't just hear the gospel, I heard what it meant to truly be a disciple of Jesus. I, I heard what it meant to truly follow. So when I believe, I hit the ground running. I hit the ground running because I knew now what it meant to follow Jesus. It wasn't just, oh, I go to church once a week. Oh, I just say praise the Lord every three days. It meant that I, I follow Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't even call anybody to become a Christian. There's no place that he says, I want you to become a Christian. You know what he said? I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. How do we follow him? This is, this is his word. This is the path. And this morning, I'm sure all of you believe in your head, in God, in Jesus, and maybe even believe in going to church regularly. But you know what? That's not enough. It's the commitment of the will to follow Jesus. And you know what it really means? It really means that you lay down your life and you take up his. See, in my teenage years, you know who I was living for? I was living for me. What I wanted to do, what I thought would bring me pleasure, what I wanted to do, and, and what, what, what folly, what, what foolishness, because you know what it leads to? It leads to death. The Bible does say there's pleasure in sin. There is pleasure in sin, amen? I know you don't want to raise your hand right now. <laughs> But there is pleasure in sin. If there wasn't, the devil would be out of a job. He wouldn't have a game in town. There is pleasure. That's why pornography, that's why the flesh is so alive in this world, in, this, in social media, because that's to get to destroy people's lives. God made sex in the confines of marriage. But sex outside of marriage is wrong and it brings brokenness I'm not saying this to condemn anyone I'm not saying this to sound prudish but let me tell you it brings brokenness and emptiness in God's plan in God's structure of life the, the perimeter of his word this wholeness this healing in this morning are you willing to truly say I want to follow Jesus not religion not well I would grow up in the church Oh, not I go to church, but today I want to cross over the line. I want to truly surrender my life to Jesus. I want, to, I want you to bow your heads and, and, and just close your eyes for a moment, just to have a, a moment in just the quietness of this moment. I believe the Holy Spirit is touching hearts. 
I believe this is an opportunity for eternal destinies to be changed. I believe this is an opportunity for you to repent of your sins, to put your faith in God, and to trust Jesus for your salvation. For there is no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. This morning is the opportunity in this hour. You know the Bible says that, that today is the day for salvation. No one is guaranteed a tomorrow. Today is the moment. Today is the time to get right with God. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to ask you today. You might be a teenager. You might be middle-aged. You might be older. But you've never, or maybe you have, but you need to recommit your life to truly following Jesus. If that's you, I want you quickly, I want you quickly just to lift your hand and say, Pastor, my story's incomplete. I need, to, I need to get God in it. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Today is the day of salvation. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about joining a church. We're not talking about being religious. There's a lot of religious people that are going to hell. A lot of religious people that are not truly living for God. It's not about religion. Religion is man-made. Christianity is about relationship. When I was 17 years old, I came into a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus that radically changed my life. The things I did, wanted to do, I didn't do anymore. The things I didn't want to do, I began to do. The life I was leaving, leading, I, I turned away from and I began to live a new life. That's what God offers, is new life. If that's you, a couple have raised their hand. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to commit my life today to Jesus. Amen. Amen. A couple have raised their hand. I just feel to take another moment. This is a critical hour. You're in a battle. You know, it's been said that the time to respond to the gospel is the first time you hear it. The more you put it off, the easier it is to be deceived and your heart to get hardened. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Is there someone else today you would say, Pastor, God bless you. One more person. Is there someone else you say, I need to commit my life to Jesus. No more playing games, no more half-stepping, no, no coming to church on Sunday and living the way I want to on Monday. But today, I'm willing to surrender my life. God loves you so much, he'll pursue you, he'll block your path, he'll deal with you to make that path, he'll create a path only that returns to him in his love and his mercy. Today is an opportunity. You just have to believe. Just say, I believe. Say, I commit my life. Is there someone else? Is there someone else? God bless you. God bless you. Four, four have raised their hand. Five have raised their hand. Is there someone else? Today is the day I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to step over the line. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, touch the hearts of people. God, let the gospel of Jesus Christ just set people free today. Lord, you've already spoken. You've already touched hearts. Lord, I believe, God, that you're doing a work in the hearts of people. For no man could come to the Father unless the Spirit 
draws them. God, take these few words, these feeble words, this this story of my life, God, to touch other people's lives. Father, those that are watching by live stream, those that are watching, God, I pray you would touch their hearts, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would save people today. I pray, oh God, that you would change people's lives today, God. Let them never be the same again. Oh God, let them pass from death to life from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, God. Let there be a transformation, no longer afar off, but brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask those who raised their hands, would you quickly come out of your seat? I know this is a bigger step, but come on, just move out of your seat. If you raised your hand, I want you to come forward. We want to pray with you. We want to take a moment. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe this is a recommitment, but whatever it is, would you just move out of your seat right now in Jesus' name? Come on. Amen. Just move out of your seat. God bless you. Come on. If you raised your hand, would you just move out of your seat this morning? Come on, if you really mean business with God, if you really want to follow Jesus, come on, God will do amazing things in your life. Come on, someone else, others that have raised their hand, would you just quickly move out of your seat? Come on, we just believe Holy Spirit is touching hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Would you just begin to play, amen, as they play one more opportunity. Just quickly move out of your seat. You raise your hand. Come on, take another step. Come on, if you really want to follow Jesus, take that step and come up front. We want to pray with you.